Hello, Terry here with another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. Today I'm talking more about how to find inspiration to start working in stop motion because there really is no traditional path to get into it. You can't really go to stop motion school like you can other animation schools. And unless you're in Portland, it's going to be really tough to find work. But thanks very recently to some very inspirational trailblazers on social media, the market has been changing with how stop motion is viewed, and many more paths to getting paid have been opening up in stop motion work wherever you are, even if that means you're just working in your bedroom, which I find really exciting because that's how I like to do my stop motion work. And who better to chat about this than Ben Treat, better known as his Instagram handle, Frantic Frames, because he has become a massive inspiration to thousands of people and also to me personally. But first, before we get into the chat, I just wanna shoot you a message about a very special offer on stop motion supplies, which you can get discounted by listening to this podcast. So you may have heard me talk about this before, but if you head over to animateclay.com, go to the online store there and purchase any of the bendy armatures, bendy rigs, or a copy of Stop Motion Pro software, you can get 10% off by using the code AIP, as in Animation Industry Podcast. And of course, if you do so, you're also supporting this podcast, so that would be really great. And I will include all the links to how to do that and um, get the code and everything in the description of this podcast too. So please check that out. And now back to Frantic Frames. Um, or Ben Treat, uh, and why he's been so inspirational to the stop motion community. So it all kind of began last November when he took on a project to do 100 stop motion posts in 100 days, completely out of nowhere. And if you're into stop motion, you know that that takes an insane amount of patience um, to do. And so people really started to take notice of him, especially very recently because he's amassed nearly 13,000 followers on Instagram. And it's growing so much so that he's become sought after by brands looking for creative types of sponsorships for their social posts. And Ben has even become a brand ambassador for Dino Equipment, a cinematic accessory company. And just following him personally, I can see how influential he's been and how brands view stop motion as a new opportunity to showcase their products on social media. But on the other side, there's been a burst of independent animators who have also been following Ben's work and experimenting with stop motion themselves, being inspired by him. And what's more in all of this is that Ben is only 17 years old and he's still powering through high school as we speak even, which I was certainly surprised to learn. So let's just jump right into the chat. Ben, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Terry. Yeah, excellent. Um, so uh, there's so much I want to chat with you today about, but the first thing I want to chat about is just kind of how you got started and, and you know, built your professional portfolio and been successful on Instagram and all that stuff. So what was the moment you decided that you wanted to try stop motion specifically? Well, the first time I ever really took interest in stop motion was when I was, I think, 13 and I was watching an episode of Wallace and Gromit. And my dad or someone I knew pretty close to me came up and was telling me about how it was made. And I guess I just latched on to it and wanted to try it myself. What did, it, what did they say about how it was made? Uh, they gave like a basic, pretty much people go and move the little characters bit by bit and take pictures. And that's all I really, really heard. But I was really excited to try that. I wanted to make movies, I guess. So what was the first movie you made? Was it the first post you posted on Instagram or is there a lot behind the scenes beforehand? There is a lot of stuff that I have never shown anyone because it's awful. But um, I first started on Instagram when I was like probably 13 also. I made a video of a, a cup of hot chocolate with some marshmallows and they climbed out of a bowl of marshmallows and into the hot chocolate. And it was awful, but it got me started and I did probably for a couple months I animated pretty pretty um regularly and eventually I brought it over to a different platform at the time musically which is a little bit more of like a a modern um website or app and I made 130 daily animations over there but Wait, they were what? also awful awful 
So before you did this 100 days of stop motion on Instagram, you did 130 days on Musical.ly, which I think now is TikTok. Yep. Every single day. Every single day. Um, actually, no, I missed like two days from traveling. So I had the animations I couldn't upload because I couldn't find Wi-Fi. But um, I, I animated so often. And that's where most of my crazy locations came in from all over everywhere. So, so okay, let me get this straight. Like, I did a 100-day comic that I found, like, really stressful by the end to keep going because, like, I was working and life and, like, people want to hang out and you're traveling and stuff. Were you, would, did you have this goal as well just to do it every single day or is it just part of your daily, like, brush my teeth, animate something? Like, where's that inspiration coming from inside? Well, the daily part, I think, was just something I, I put on myself at the time to get myself motivated. I felt like if I could get something going, um, I would kind of force myself to continue it. And I learned to love it more and more as I went. I really started to just enjoy doing it. And some days I'd animate a bunch and some days I'd just animate something quick and simple. But um, it was pretty regular for me. I, If I didn't um, start it that way, I think I would have done a couple videos and just started to flake off. But yeah. yeah. So by building sheer momentum, it just kept you going, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah, oh, definitely. What, what is the biggest enjoyment factor in doing stop motion? Is it the process itself? Is it coming up with the idea? Is it the posting it and seeing how it looks afterwards or getting responses? Like for you, what what is what is the biggest enjoyment? Well, it's hard to decide what the biggest one is because there's a lot of little things that I love. I love being able to show something to someone. I love to see their reactions. And that's kind of where Instagram comes in. I love to see all the people and see what they think. And I also love to be able to make something kind of out of nothing. Just having, I don't know, a pencil on your desk and being able to make something more than just a pencil. Yeah, exactly. What What is the biggest thing you learned about doing those 130 days on, on Musical.ly? Um, I learned a lot, but... It wasn't just like animation principle stuff. I learned a lot about um, how to like build, build a following, um, grow and I guess produce higher quality content, focus on the content rather than just keeping with the stuff you already know, um, forcing myself to move out of my comfort zone and try new stuff to get a new result kind of. Yeah. Why did you, did you stop? Are you still posting on Musical.ly at all? Which is um, exactly on TikTok. I've posted some on Musical.ly. I've, I post off and on from the same content from Instagram, kind of yeah. just to move over platforms a bit. But I stopped on that page a long time ago. I had a problem with burnout. I, I got hit with this wall of just wanting to try something else. And I did that. I, I tried metal detecting, and I did that for a really long time. But I was still producing content, and I was actually still making stop motions of metal detecting, of all things. So it was, I never really left. I just kind of changed. I got tired of the platform and moved over a bit. So um, you, I am assuming you built up a following on Musical.ly as well, too, right? Yeah. Um, so when you started on Instagram, was the plan to do everything you've learned from Musical.ly, like I'm going to do 100 posts every day to get attention, they're going to look a certain way because I know that is visually appealing. Like, how were you intentionally moving to Instagram to build up a following? Yeah, I, I would say I was trying to build up a following, but it wasn't really going to be big. It was going to be kind of a couple hundred people that I could kind of get excited about and kind of focus in on. And I didn't really have a plan for the type of animations I was going to make. They started off all over the place. If you go back to my first couple Instagram posts, they're just all over. My first one was me holding a little paper pumpkin, smooshing it around and stuff. I didn't really have a theme. I didn't really have a style. And I slowly developed my style after seeing all types of different people and seeing um, what kind of succeeds on Instagram. Fair enough. Um, I also have a question. Like, you mentioned the animation principles earlier. Are, did you study animation specifically to get better, or are you just trialing error over time and seeing what looks good? Just trial and error. I never really focused in on studying exactly. I I did eventually. I got the um, animator survival guide eventually, 
But yes. um, before that, I didn't really study. I just kind of tried over and over again, seeing what looked good. I I didn't really think to study, I guess. Fair enough. I mean, it sounds like you're kind of self-studying from just trial and error over and over again. So, okay, so now you have like 13,000 followers on Instagram and you've done your 100 days and you're still posting all the time. What are you, what are you looking to get out of this specifically, like what you're doing right now? Um, as far as Instagram and me working on my content, I want to be able to build this into a future kind of make this uh it's my launching pad i guess that i'm making so that once i'm out of school i can kind of jump off into the um industry and and see where it takes me i'm kind of aiming for either depending on how well it goes i can either i could either work through instagram and freelance through it um or i would i would love to work for a studio anything along that i'm i'm ex- i love the idea so okay so when you want to work for a studio like are you thinking like character animation like um like a studio that does tv shows or a studio that does commercial work kind of like what you've already delved into um i would probably prefer um commercial work but tv shows do have a lot of consistency which is great i'm I'm happy with just about any studio it all sounds great anything that allows me to animate i i love but Probably commercial work is what I'd be focused towards. Right. And there's there's already a lot of professional stop motion animators that are already following you. Like when I look through the people who are following you, I can see that there's people from uh, like some of the big studios in Portland, etc. So do you talk to these people at all about this and the career aspect and whatnot? I haven't really talked about a future yet with them. I haven't really brought the idea of working for them in the future up or anything but I have I've talked to them they're they're all really great people it's really cool to see the community um I'm kind of just trying to get my foot in the door in the industry and and start to hopefully pass my name around so that yeah. eventually maybe somebody will hear my name and be like oh yeah that's a that's a good idea good <laughs> let's hire that guy well I didn't even know your name was Ben until um I, I reached out to you to be on this podcast so you need to change your name legally to frantic frames i guess yeah so okay so like so far we've only talked about kind of the glamour stuff you know lots of followers talking with professional animators all that stuff are there are there things that are not so glamour about glamorous about this like do you have fears about what you're doing or like have you reached things that are like i don't know that don't sit well with you or um as far as fears, I would say like trying to get into the community, but then kind of being blocked out. That would that would be upsetting. I've definitely thought about that. Um, I have a tendency to accidentally offend people, which isn't the best. I've like offended how, a couple like animators, and I do not ever mean to, but it's never the best when I do. Oh gosh. Um, so when you say like be blocked out of the community, you mean just like offend somebody and then I don't want to work with you. Yeah, because the animation community is a lot about um, personalities and building connections. So if you're really introverted, which I tend to be pretty introverted and I don't always like to get involved. Well, I love to get involved with the community, but just I'm not always the best with face-to-face communication and whatnot. So it it can turn into that kind of, I feel like I need to be good at that to succeed in the industry. Well, definitely. I mean, people's skills are things you have to build up over time. Um, but also, like, stop motion is an interesting one where it's so small. And when I when I interview animators for this podcast, they're like, it's a mix. It's like you're by yourself for hours and hours every day just animating. So that's, like, great for introverts. But then to you have to work in a very small community where you know everybody. So um, it's like the people's skills really come in handy, too. Right. Um, so, okay, cool. Um, so let's talk about kind of the process that you take, because I, you know, I posted on my story beforehand, we got a bunch of questions to ask you. So can you just go through the process from start to finish where you come up with the idea for a post to actually doing it and completing it all within the same day and then posting it? Right. So it always starts with an idea, as would be expected. I normally... I can have a lot of trouble coming up with ideas at times, but there are other times where I just wake up with an idea, kind of. 
I start the day and something clicks and I I normally can't get to it right away, which is always so hard because I want to take advantage of the inspiration and the motivation to get it done and to make something. And sometimes that that never that doesn't work. So I oftentimes have a bunch of ideas that I've had in the past saved up. I've got like four or five that I want to make right now, but it's just there's always time constraints. There's always different things I need to get a hold of. There's all kinds of different limitations. But I don't normally struggle with an idea in that sense. Normally, I, I struggle with an idea that I can complete in time, kind of. I have right. lots of things that I really want to do, but there's no way I could do them this afternoon. Right. Uh, so let, can I just jump in and ask you a little bit more about the ideas? When you're coming up with ideas, do you know if one is going to be more successful on Instagram than another one? Like, uh, I don't know, for instance, like you have a butterfly coming out of a wallet versus like, you know, your first one with the pumpkin squashing that you mentioned. Do you have an idea if something's going to be more successful and, and what's your formula for understanding that? Um, normally, I can tell once it's done, whether it's going to be successful or not, which isn't normally the best. Um, I'm learning more and more to catch it early, kind of. Sometimes it's really good to go to people and ask about the idea. And if it makes no sense to a bunch of people, it's not going to make sense to Instagram. So that's always that's always important. There's also simplicity is key. Some Instagram loves simplicity, something that's quick, fun, bright. There's always ways to tell if it's too complex or if it's going to be distracting. And sometimes my ideas do that. They go all over the place and I just have to scrap them. But generally, I can I can start an idea and bring it all the way through. So what is what is an example of one that did really well if you break it down into just the idea? Um, pretty much anything with fruit, honestly, works so well. I do so much stuff with fruit. But my first real experiences um, with fruit was I had a banana. I wanted to do something fun with a banana. I had an hour. I had to figure out I had to make something for my daily post in one hour. So I just thought what's fun to do to a banana that's simple like squishing a banana so I squished the banana and then I had it fly around in a circle and come back into the peel and it was a loop and that was one of my most successful um, videos in the start and I did it in less than an hour and it was just really simple really straightforward I would have probably if I had had more time I might have gone too complex gone for flips gone for something I couldn't really achieve well and it wouldn't have worked but simplicity is really key gotcha and what comes to mind for me is like the storytelling like a traditional story has like a plot and a problem to solve etc but the storytelling you're doing is very different how would you just how would you describe or plan out for instance in your banana the story is it's just a fun thing with a banana that flies around in loops, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, how do you know how to develop what that story is, I guess? Because, you, like you said, you could backflip and whatever, but I don't know. So, I wouldn't – it's not, in my opinion, the traditional story that most media carries with, like, the hero's journey with the rise and fall of characters. And it's more or less taking an idea and – shifting it a way that no one's going to think about or that very few people ever consider. And it's generally something that's very common in someone's life, like food. Food is every day. So if you can take that and make the story um, something that they're not expecting, a, a twist, a, some something that's going to catch their attention because they've never thought of it that way, I guess that would be the story. I'm not, I'm I mean, not exactly uh, sure if there's like a... A plot line but right makes sense to me so so far it's like if if you want to attract and you're like intentionally doing these things to attract more followers and, and views and shares right so use something in like somebody's everyday life no matter where they are I guess in what country or whatnot so like fruit um, I also noticed you have very strong like colors that you use so maybe that's like a factor do something very simple in a surprising way and like don't go nuts just just whatever you could do in an hour <laughs> yeah and I feel like if if you go for something nuts before you're ready 
it can kind of just wreck it. I feel like if you're starting up, you need to just start really small. I'm still, I'm still starting up. I've been going for quite a few years now, in my opinion, I, it's not quite a few to a bunch of people, but, um, and I'm still doing small stuff. I'm still animating the tiny movements. I haven't attempted any massive movies or anything yet. Do you think you will coming up? I definitely want to. I really, really hope I can. Um, I've got a lot of ideas that I would love to carry through, but um, it's just I have to get the the basics before I attempt anything too complex. And I have to have the time to attempt something complex. Gotcha. So in your mind, what what is something that is the basics? Um, basics is just anything in the in the principles of animation. I I feel like I, I have a, a pretty good hold on those, but I still feel like there's different ways to um like test test your abilities and try with different different materials, different styles, um, getting a gist of everything before you decide on something. Kind of. Gotcha. So, what have you mastered in your in your mind then? Uh, I never I never say I've mastered anything because there's always room to improve. But I feel like I've done I've gotten pretty good with um lots of just simple motions, um, movements that are making things smooth, making things pleasing to to watch, kind of bounces and. Um, drag and all and that kind of basic stuff i feel like I've, I've gotten down pretty good i'd say so too makes sense um so let's let's talk a little bit more about the process so you have your idea then what um i have to find a way to bring it to reality which is sometimes that's where the idea gets scrapped as well because it generally depends on what i can get access to in 10 minutes i have to be able to get it pretty quickly i don't I don't plan way ahead. I don't generally plan for something a week in advance and go and get the material. I just walk around the house, go outside, find the material, find a way to animate it, and get it done. Yeah. Okay, so you have your idea. You have the materials. Now what? Like, are, Do you have a little studio set up? Do you, uh, like, where are you animating? At the moment, I'm animating in my room, and I I have animated in a ton of different locations. Um, I've animated all over the world now, but I would love to develop a studio, which hopefully will be coming in the future. But I go to my room. I have a table set up pretty much in the middle, very inconvenient because it's taking up all the space. And I have drawers of props and different items I can use. I have piles, mountains of sticky tack. Um, it's kind of hard to tell, but there's like sticky tack with wires coming all out of it. Um, and I just, I set up my tripod and I get my animation rolling, kind of. Uh, what are some of the weirder places that you've animated around the world? <laughs> well, I went through and I, I looked at, at some of the stuff I've done and I realized I've animated in a lot of crazy places. Um, probably one of the craziest was I animated in a bathroom. And I was in there for probably an hour and a half animating, and I actually got kicked out of the bathroom because it was a public bathroom, and what? I, I was, I was kind of clogging it with my animation. You were animating it, isn't? It? <laughs> yeah. In a public bathroom. I was animating the little paper towel dispenser. I had drawn probably a hundred faces on paper towels, and I was positioning them onto the. The rack so that it could make face facial expressions and talk oh, and stuff. Goodness. Did you and have to I, explain explain yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually, yeah, I I don't know that wasn't that wasn't the best decision because I got thrown out of there and they were not very happy about it and I realized afterwards that probably not the best spot to animate. Yeah, <laughs> goodness. Um, do you do you ever like uh, so you're so okay so let's get back to the animating so. You've got your stuff set up, then what? Like, are you using software? What kind of camera are you using? You mentioned a tripod. I started with a digital camera with just point and shoot. And the very, very first stuff I ever made, I would just hold down the button and it would scroll through all the images. And that's the only way I ever watched it. I didn't, I didn't use anything but that. And then once I got an iPhone, all the apps, all the, the ability the iPhone gives you, 
and I, I've st- I'm still animating on an iPhone today. I'm using an iPhone XR, um, which has got good enough quality, and um, I use Stop Motion Studio Pro, and it it works really well. Um, I'm working my way up to using more professional equipment and software. So you use Stop Motion Studio Pro on your iPhone? Mm-hmm. Sure oh wow! Do. I didn't I didn't know you could do that right on your phone. That's that's actually amazing. I should look into that. <laughs> um, Okay, so like you do all the editing in there too. What if you need to remove like a rig or something? Well, it it has features that can let you remove a rig, and occasionally um, I use it. It isn't the best um, because you have to select your masking frames, and normally it it doesn't do that very well. It it won't really give you give you much um, ability for that. But I oftentimes, if it's something really simple like a tiny bouncer something I needed like three frames of a rig, I'll use just in-app, but otherwise I'll pull it into um, um, After Effects and mask it up. Gotcha, so not on your phone, After Effects? No, on, like, not always, phone. no. After Effects generally is much quicker and more efficient to get through so it that. Sounds, it sounds to me like you're kind of just, uh, like you're not spending a lot of money or like professional equipment, even though your animations look like stellar from a professional standpoint have you done a lot of sponsored work too so how much are you spending on stuff when it comes to animating because one of the questions i often get is like what is the best armature what is you know how much is a rig all these questions when it comes to cost so like you for you how much are you spending on all this stuff i haven't spent almost any money throughout the entire process of animating. I think I've probably spent $20 overall through everything. Over all years? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I, I very, very rarely go to, like, Goodwill and buy a prop. That's just about the only time I've ever spent money animating. Um, buying a big old glob of sticky tack and some wire. Yeah. That's just about just about all I've spent. I've, I've found ways to get around the expensive stuff for so a really long time. So what are some of your, like, go-to hacks then? Um, originally, I really wanted to get a really nice tripod for above shots, but then I ended up buying a glass table, and um, I got one at Goodwill for about two bucks. It was it was amazing. It's it's still, still great. I still use it today. It's just a, a sheet of glass on, it's like a coffee table. And I sticky tack the phone to the top, secure it, and get shots straight down. It works great. Um, why, why do you need glass for that? Why can't you just put the camera on the edge of a table or a chair or something? I have done that too. It's it's okay. It doesn't give you as much availability because you kind of are confined to the edges. And depending on how you're animating, sometimes that can be really dysfunctional. But um, glass just works really well, and you can't even see it. Some people might think you'd you'd get like fuzziness, or you can't tell at all. Great, yeah, I haven't noticed. Um, do you have any hacks for the animation itself, like hiding sticky tack or I don't know, fudging things? Because you do a lot of like uh, flying away stuff recently. So how I'm assuming you have rig removal for that, but like, what are some of your hacks when it comes to the actual animation? I, I hide a lot of stuff. If you were watching what was going on in front of you from the other side, it would be just a mess because I I take sticky tack is literally my best friend ever. I use yeah. it so often. But um everything that wouldn't normally stand on its own or need support in any way, it's just kind of it's got I've got little blocks that I put on the back and I can they're different sizes and I, I can use them as support and sticky tack them up and there's lots of stuff that happens behind that kind of just secures everything. It's important to keep it pretty consistent. Otherwise, stuff starts to go all over. Yeah. Um, for me, when I started animating with Dragon Frame, it was, like, amazing to have access to onion skin. Are you – so I can, like, go back and forth and see where I'm animating. Are you using onion skin at all? Or, like, you animating straight ahead? Like, I, just- I'm definitely using it, onion skin. Onion skin is also my, my best friend. Without onion skin, I don't know where I'd be. It straight ahead, mad respect to, to to I know you've animated with straight ahead a lot. Um it's I can't even imagine the pain that that would be. Onion skin is amazing. 
Yeah, I, well, like with my experience with Straight Ahead, I was always just kind of envisioning things in my imagination, how they roll out right. and then just yes. going with the flow when I see it later on on the computer. I almost feel like Onion Skin is a blessing and a curse because I spend so much more time now that I have Onion Skin making sure it's like absolutely perfectly lined up, like everything is perfect. Um, and like if I don't, if I watch it later, I'm like, oh, that one frame is out of whack. I'll like go back and redo it. So are you redoing a lot of shots too? Or is it like you said, you, an you have like one hour to animate, is that it? It depends on the situation. A lot of times I, I go straight forward depending on if I have time. Um, but I do redo a lot of stuff. I've had times where I, I sit down to animate. I spend three to five hours just trying one shot and it never really works, or the idea just doesn't work for me. Um, and I spend a lot of time lining up frames. Definitely, I see where you're coming with the um, the curse of onion skin, because it takes so much more time, but I always just, I love the end result when it's so much more smooth. But it, I definitely see the benefit in straight ahead. It's yeah. good to just get straight through and and not worry so much about the perfection of it. Yeah, for me with the onion skin, like I, there's like a certain level of like almost, I guess I could call it magic. I want to like portray. Like I feel like if it starts to become jittery, then it loses the, like oh it's it's stop motion versus like oh my gosh how's it how's it being animated right now I guess I don't know. Right. Everybody's got their different style. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your actual sponsored content because that's like huge to break into, especially on Instagram. I follow tons of artists, like all my classmates, myself. And how do you find or how do sponsors find you to actually break into getting paid for your art on Instagram specifically? So how did you land your first gig? Well, I started out kind of just, as I said before, animating randomness, not really focusing on anything. But I slowly realized that I needed to be focusing on a kind of a certain category of, of um I guess style and to topic, um, not topic, but um, when I animate, I kind of just have what I'm animating for in mind. I think about brands and what they want and what they want to see and kind of use things that they would be wanting to advertise and and making lots of examples and lots of practice with that. And, if, and I eventually got enough... Um, content of that style to spread around that brands eventually took notice and that's how I kind of I got into that got my my foot in the door with that so what is what is that style that you think brands are looking for that you developed it's the same style that Instagram Instagram loves really clean really simple and catching eye-catching like if you put your animation with 20 different ones playing at the same time, your eye would naturally just gravitate straight towards it. That's what you want to aim for. Um, and then for brands, you want to focus on items that are more brand-friendly, brand, friend, brand friendly kind of. Not really any brand is going to look at a strawberry and be like, we need an ad of our strawberries. Strawberries aren't really as wide, but something like... Um, I don't well like just a like any sort of item actually a strawberry could could work in certain situations but depending on what brands are you're aiming for different like foods and different different um everyday objects something yeah fair so what was the first what was your first paid sponsorship well my very first time I ever got paid for stop motion was through Fiverr. I'm sure you've heard of Fiverr. Yeah. Um, I I think it was some video someone wanted to send to a friend that was a happy birthday video, and it was paper, and I just had, like, words fly up that said happy birthday, something like that, and I, I got paid, like, $10 for it. But first time on Instagram... Wait, 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 wait. So um, $10... <laughs> to make happy birthday fly up. I'm assuming it took you more than half an hour to do. So <laughs> uh, was that worth it to you? At the time, totally. It was it was amazing to, to make any money from it. It was just something I loved to do and I 
I got paid for it. It was amazing. But um, now I'd say um, it would definitely wasn't what I would do today. But it's definitely something that I lost my train of thought there. What was I? What was I saying there? I you were saying ten dollars isn't it was worth it at the time, but it isn't worth it to you now. Oh right. Um. Yeah. It was definitely it was amazing at the time. It wasn't really. It wasn't much of a of a wage, I guess. It I was making probably five dollars an hour or something, but it was it was still great. So maybe it was worth it to break into considering yourself a professional animator type of thing. Oh yeah, definitely. It so was definitely. So then, like, I guess moving on, how did you go from Fiverr onwards? Did you continue using Fiverr as a as a source to find clients? I did. I didn't really. Um, Fiverr, I did for probably five months, six months. Um, I didn't get a ton of work through Fiverr. It was kind of like once every couple weeks I, I'd get a gig and it'd just be an afternoon thing. But occasionally I got a couple things that took me weeks. Um, and the whole time I worked on Fiverr, it wasn't it wasn't high enough um, pay to consider for a long term. Of course, it it definitely needed to change, but it was a great um, place to get my foot in the door with that. So uh, I guess, what were some of those projects that took you weeks? Like, did you, because on Fiverr, as far as I understand, you can also kind of charge what you want, no? So did you learn more about how to set your pricing? Um, On Fiverr, I didn't. I didn't learn how to set my pricing right. And I, I wouldn't say I got taken advantage of because I did it to myself, but I definitely made the mistake of taking on um, gigs that I wasn't prepared for at a price that wasn't good enough. Um, I took on a three and a half minute music video um, and I charged $500 for it and it ended up being 72 hours of work and it would have been more. I, I had to kind of rush through it almost to I even make it, I think it was I'm not sure three dollars an hour or something, yeah. something crazy, but it was a it was a real struggle. So now, so you told me before that um, you actually get brands messaging you on Instagram asking for you to take on gigs. So like, well, first of all, how often does that happen now? And why do you think that started happening? Is it because of what you said about creating content that brands like to see, and then eventually somebody sees it and contacts you? Um, there's definitely. Definitely, once you get your foot, I keep saying foot in the door, but um, once you get your foot in the door, kind of animating four brands, they they recognize it. They see that you have a bit of experience with it. At least I like to think that. And they definitely, they like to see that, that content that's tailored for them almost. But then um, it's, it's still, it's not like I'm getting piles and piles of um, clients constantly. I probably get 10 offers a month. And I turn down normally nine of those offers because they're either too ambitious or something incredibly big that I couldn't really take on or they're unrealistic in what they want, um, different, different things like that. But it's definitely, it's definitely um, kind of the content that I'd say brings, brings the clients in. So what is what is that one out of ten that you are accepting? What are the what's the right thing that they're giving you? Um, something that isn't going to monopolize all my time. At the moment, I'm still I'm still pushing through high school and I'm I'm kind of busy. I just got home from school today, and it's definitely difficult to work in my daily animations. Not not daily anymore, but my um, animations. It's it's hard to make them with the time I have. So whenever a brand comes to me with a, something I know I can do pretty quick, it's just a, a, a simple gig that I can I can pretty much do in a day or two. Yeah. That's what so I, I target. I, are you making like a contract with them saying like, I will work like, I don't know, five hours and or like one day and this is the deliverable, this is what it'll look like. Like what does what your conversation with them look like? Um, It started out, not being anything like that it was just i'll make you this here's my paypal when i'm done now yeah. it's it's definitely gotten to 
I would like to have their signature on something, something that I can kind of hold accountable, hold them accountable with. Um, because there's been some sketchy stuff I've, I've gotten into with that. I've had times where I, I didn't think brands were going to pay me and stuff, but, um, I, my conversations with them are normally, I focus on what they want and I make sure I get exactly what they want. Normally they like to come to you with giving you creative freedom. And I love having creative freedom with stuff, but sometimes it doesn't work out very well when they, when they come to you and they say like, we want this movement of, for instance, one animation I did, um, the, or they wanted the earth to spin and for like making the earth spin around this way would require 24 individual hand-drawn earths. Whereas just having the one image of the earth spinning this way would be so much simpler. You have to be very specific in how things are going to go because otherwise you could get stuck drawing 24 individual earths. And, and I did, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's definitely been a learning curve with that. That's the, I think that's great experience and also like figuring out budgets and like what your time is worth. That's like invaluable that that's something that everybody kind of struggles with at the beginning. So I think that's awesome. So where are you hoping, like, why are you taking on commercial projects if you're like you say you're building your portfolio to eventually maybe work freelance or a studio? So uh, what is your goal with taking on these commercial projects now instead of just focusing on your own stuff? I really want to move up in my production value um i don't know if it would if it's gonna if i do if there's gonna be a massive change but i would love to have the money to invest into um everything i would need to make really really high quality content rigs armatures um developing puppets having a space having all this stuff people always tell you it's something you need um it's not something you need. It's something that I would definitely like. I'd like to try it. I'd like to see if that's my thing. Um, it's probably, it, it takes it takes money to get that, but I wouldn't say you need it. I would just like so, to try it. So in my mind, you've already developed like a very consistent style and also reached a pretty professional level. Like what, it, where do you envision taking it if you're thinking about like getting puppets and things? Well, that's, it's a little bit difficult because on Instagram to, I guess, succeed, um, you need to be really consistent and you can't really go all over the place. That's, I mean, you, you could, there are occasions where that works, but whenever you, um, whenever you throw a, a wrench into the works, it, it never really helps. Um, making puppet animations feels like it would be a wrench in the works for my page, but it also, it's something that it's really valued to have that experience if you were to go to a studio or something. So I'd probably, I'd probably do it, but I don't know if I would make it the focus of my Instagram page. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my content over probably. I'd do it for me so I could learn myself. Fair. Um, so I guess that kind of leads me into what I wanted to chat about next was like how you've intentionally built up your Instagram, but um, so why do you think people follow you in the first place? Like, I know why I follow you, but like, why do you think like 13,000 people follow you? Um, I like to, I, I, I like to have the mentality of, I have like a, an analytical side of me that wants to think that it's because I've been really consistent and I've, I've worked towards it in a way that has allowed me to get there but it's also a lot of the community being super supportive and how how it how it worked out was just kind of everyone helped me um all these channels just like showing me support um it just it adds up and they all they all kind of unite and help grow so i guess one question i have is like i've seen a lot of other artists on on instagram not i wouldn't say like mimic you but are doing something very similar like it's very like uh stylized clean cut objects moving but they don't have a lot of followers and it doesn't matter if they've been doing it for like years or like just starting up why do you think people are following uh your page specifically when there are other people doing this as well well 
I can I can definitely say that there's um, no chance that they're copycats of me. The style is really widely known. It's it's a really loved style. There's lots of people doing it, um, but they I feel like there's there's a one point that'll set you off kind of if you if you keep going towards it occasionally you'll get the one video that'll start a ball rolling and it grows you just have to find that and sometimes it's really hard to so is that where so because i think when i started following you you only had uh maybe like a thousand or two thousand followers and over the past couple months it's really been rolling i guess I guess what you're saying is just doing it so much, you eventually hit something that becomes successful. And then when people look at your page, they see you have all this other content in the similar light. And they're like, oh, follow. Mm -hmm. okay, um, I mean, that makes sense. It was, yeah, it started really slow. It was the, the first month I got like up to 100 or something. It was really, I mean, at the time it, it was great. It was what I was expecting. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy. But um, as soon as one video, I, I can't, I think it was that banana video that I had twirl around. Um, it got, it got put on the trending page for a bunch of hashtags through Instagram. And it brought in like 120 people um, that, that day or something. And then just the next video did even better. And the next video did it even better. I'm not sure what tipped the scale, but it, it's a it's a tipping point kind of how did it how did it feel when you went into instagram and it was like you have 120 new followers it was exciting it's always it's always really exciting um it's hard to to keep the mindset of being super content with it you always you always like great i got this now let's go for more it's hard to get to the point where you're really happy just to see the people who are coming in and i definitely struggle with that i always i always love seeing growth but um, it's great to just like enjoy the audience you have. Um, cause if you put too much focus on, on the, the growth, it can, it can kill your motivation. It'll burn you out. So what do you, cause like, I, I'm also a victim to playing the numbers game, like seeing how many likes I get, views, followers, et cetera. So like, what do you do to keep that mentality, the old mentality of just enjoying who you're showing and stuff? Um, I have had times where I'm so focused on producing content for Instagram that I forget that I, I like making it. It's like routine, got to do it. It's going out tomorrow. And then sometimes you just need to stop and you don't have to stop animating. You can animate for yourself on your own, make something fun, do do whatever, but just take a break. It's it's never bad to take a break. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, have you tried other social medias? I know you, you tried Musical.ly. I think you've tried YouTube. Um, but like, I guess, what have you learned the, uh, that you've learned from Instagram versus the other social medias? Like, have you been so successful on YouTube as well? I have not been super successful on YouTube for sure. I, I, I haven't put a ton of focus into it. I feel like I took all my focus on social media and put it all on Instagram. And that's how I got that up and rolling. But I feel like in once I, if I were to get um, a big enough following on Instagram, you can kind of then pull people into the other um, social medias, and it can it can become a a starting starting place for all the other sites. But focusing on every site at once, there's so many, there's so so many ways to just get overwhelmed. You feel like you should produce original content for all of them, and there's not really a way to do it. I, I personally would focus on one, grow a following, um, share that following around kind of, and that's kind of what I've been trying to do. So, so like what if Instagram went bankrupt tomorrow, what would you do? Cause I just thought of that because some of the, like the older animators I've talked to have mentioned like blogger, the blogosphere space used to be the thing and everybody would come to your blog and comment and that doesn't really exist anymore. So like, what would you what would your strategy be if Instagram suddenly wasn't a thing anymore? Well, I've I've seen that same thing kind of happen if you if you know Vine. Yeah. There were a lot of amazing animators on Vine and they are mostly in Instagram now. Um mm. they 
I can't I can't even imagine the the work they put into their their animations over on Vine and then seeing that all just disappear. That would that would be hard. But um, I feel like you need to if you really want to keep up a um a, a brand kind of and a, a name for yourself in different social medias, um, you need to get your foot in the door. I keep saying foot in the door, but um, you need to you need to start in other places. Just it doesn't need to be massive. Just get get your core fans to 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 see your stuff in other places so that you have a a place to go from. Yeah, I guess that's something I think about too. But I also have like a website and like a like an email sign up list thing. And I always kind of think of like if I can somehow revert people back to something that I own at the end of the day, like I, my stuff won't go away. So that is something I think about too, because I have so much stuff on Instagram that isn't anywhere else. Um, so yeah, have you, um, so also what I find interesting is just this chat in general, because on Instagram, I didn't know your name. I never knew what you looked like. Um, you know, you're, you're not like super personable. On inst- from like that perspective. So what is what is the brand you're also like trying to build on Instagram? Well, I've definitely I feel like I've done it a bit of the wrong way. I started Instagram thinking that my page was a com- completely a business and that it was um, going to be completely separate from me. I was going to be my own person and then I was making this and this was my thing. But it was I realized that pretty much almost all social media, um, growing a following, people want to know you. They wanna, they want to feel like um, they're connected to you, and you can't do that with being a nameless face in their Instagram feed. And I, I still, I haven't shown my face on Instagram yet. I've just recently put up my name on Instagram. I. I still hadn't really put any, I haven't connected myself to it. In fact, this will be, this podcast is probably the, one of the biggest ways people will ever really see me and know me. There's like one YouTube video that I'm in that I made once. And other than that. I will, I will upload this to YouTube and it'll just be purely your face and my face. (laughs) Um, But if they listen on like iTunes or something, they're not going to see you. So. (laughs) Right. So I'm, I'm still faceless. That's so, that's so funny that you say that though because like I started Instagram when it was kind of newer still and the reason I started is because I was doing all these fun things in Toronto I was like going places and like having unique experiences and I wanted to capture those experiences for myself so I could look back and be like oh yeah I did that thing on the island or like I went to that place or whatever but then slowly uh, like people stopped kind of using Instagram for that and I only use it for art now like I follow mainly artists I only post my art I only talk about art like it's just it's just art I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's funny that you started it business and now you're going the opposite to try to make it more personable right so. I have a I have a personal Instagram that I, I I used to do the same thing I actually I don't really use it anymore but um, I have an Instagram that is full of my family and friends but I just I kept that separate for the same reason um making it a business kind of separate entity altogether um but I'm I'm definitely starting to bring them together now and yeah. people get I guess I, I kind of have like one more question about um like how you got followers because like you everybody sees those ads where it's like click here for more followers or like everybody knows about the algorithm or hashtags like use these hashtags post between these hours etc cetera, etc cetera. um do you, have you done anything to intentionally gain followers because so far it sounds like just posting consistent content developing your own style and making sure the quality is really good has has been what's won for you um, as far as like trying to grow, I've always I've seen people who have gone the route of the follow and follow thing. And I actually I had I had some friends. I had a friend who had a, a photography Instagram site and he did that constantly and he got up a couple thousand followers. But then his page got shadow banned. Um, Instagram kind of like took him down for it. And it's not worth it. It's it. It does. It, it's a temporary solution. It doesn't really work. I would say that the best way 
to do it besides making constant content and um, reliable stuff is just be supportive of other people, um, follow people, comment on their stuff, um, like their stuff, be interactive. Yeah. Um, if you're just never doing anything, if you're just sitting there and only uploading your content, I don't think Instagram really works for that. It works as like a community. Yeah, for sure. There was, um, well, you were part of it too, but uh, we're like, like, like this story and I'll share my favorite piece of art from your page. And I got, I, I participated in that and I got like, I don't know, 40 followers just in the same day. And I ended up like, I think like 60 or 70 people ended up like messaging me. It was insane. I also followed a ton of accounts too. So just, I like what you said about just being part of the community and supportive that that to me is uh, a really good strategy and you meet amazing people like yourself through this. So yeah. Um, when, when is, when are you going to reach your state of satisfaction with your followers? <laughs> That's always a, a struggle. It's like the same thing I said before you always, yeah. you're excited to see more. You, you want to grow, but I always, I, I previously told myself that I really just, I would love to get to 10,000. That would be insane. And now here I am at at ten and and more, and I'm still I'm still aiming for higher. And it's I'm totally happy with my fan base right now. And you gotta just find that point where you're happy. Um, I I don't even think that aiming for 10k was reasonable. I probably should have been like, it'd be amazing if I got 20, if I got something tiny. Being happy with it is is always difficult, but um. Once you once you know that you're, it doesn't really matter. Besides, when when you have a massive number, the only difference really is that more people will know you. And for Instagram, if you're trying to be a business, more brands will see you. That's always important. Yeah. But other than that, you got to be content with your with your fan base. I I currently I I want to get to 50k right now, and it's it's the same thing. I I don't want to make it like taking over my life I want to just make it if it happens I'll be psyched it's yeah I can't be like it's got to be this I have to get there well you were you were posting a lot over the summer but now it's the fall and school started back up like how is that impacting how often you're going to post like well do you think that'll slow down how many people follow you and stuff I I've been a little bit concerned about that mostly because I love making them um I have I've struggled to find the time even more as school started um but so currently it's just eating away at my nighttime hours it's been like it's it's not healthy but I've been doing like 4 hour nights of sleep some nights just to to produce stuff but I love doing it it's I def, I definitely need to change my schedule to be more I need to figure out a way to make it more consistent with my life yeah, so wait, but before you said you were only spending like an hour animating, how long does your average animation take now? Uh, yeah, it started out probably about an hour. Now it's probably three to five or more. And, it depends on what I do. that includes like all the posts and everything? Every, so it's, I mean, there's, there's time, animating itself is probably two hours. Then there's um, post-production, which can take, a couple hours I edit I add sound effects there's a whole process it's it's not just the animation that takes the time um, but it's definitely gotten more and more time intensive as I aim for higher quality and and stuff like that that's just how it works as you as you work along the, the more frames you shoot the um, more times you retry things, the more you learn. It's just more time-consuming, but it's a better result. I think I think something important that you said earlier kind of factors into this. It's like if you started to do, if you started off trying to do something very complex that took hours, you might not have enjoyed it or realized what stop motion actually took or all that all the effort it took. Like. But since you started just with like one hour, like one hour is easy to be like, okay, I'm going to spend an hour doing this and see what the result is. And then slowly over time, you've built up, you know, your style, how you like things, your process, spending more time on it, et cetera. And like, that's also what I enjoy about following your journey is seeing 
how you've progressed as well. Like in the start, you weren't animating like, for instance, on like a colored background. And now it's like something you add into every post. And just like even little things like that, watching it is really cool. So um, I do have a bunch of questions specifically from people that wanted to hear about your answers. So I'm just going to read them, I think. So the first one is, is New Zealand the best place you've lived? So I know you lived in New Zealand for a while. Is it the best place you lived? Um, I actually, I love where I live right now. I have a, I love home. Um, this is, I live currently in Colorado and it's my, it's my home. I love the terrain. I love the snow. I love everything about it. New Zealand was amazing for its own reasons. It's really lush. It's beautiful. It's, it's great. But I, I still, I still got to say Colorado is my favorite. I love it here. Yeah. Um, do you have a business account, Instagram? That's my Instagram is currently, uh, I think it's I think it's a content creator account. It started as a business account. Um, I switched it when I got to 10k because I think that they they give you that ability at 10k or something. But I don't know. I just I'm a very analytical person and I like to see the numbers. And the business account is great for that. It it shows you where your audience is. Um, it shows you what your best upload times are. It's really helpful in those ways. So, oh, so because uh, the follow-up question to that was what are the benefits? So, do you actually follow when you see the analytics? Do you try to change your behavior to to match what is more successful analytically? Yeah, I I definitely do. The analytics help, but they're they're not really extraordinarily accurate. Currently, my analytics are telling me that I posted 175 times this week. So, I'm like, uh, okay. Hmm. But, um, <laughs> It definitely it shows it shows things that I, I take into account, but it doesn't it doesn't lead where I'm going with my animations. It it just kind of points points a bit. Gotcha. Um, what was one of the biggest challenges you had to overcome to gain followers? I guess we kind of talked about that a little bit, but um, yeah, it's just being consistent. That was it started as a struggle. I didn't really I, I loved making stuff, but I. I just like the time it took, which is, is dumb because the time is the stuff I enjoy now. I love taking the time to do it, but um, it's it was never really an easy thing for me to produce one a day. It was it was definitely a struggle. There were nights where I was up till midnight being like, oh, no, I got to make it. I've got to post it in the morning. But um, will you try other forms of animation? I we'll definitely to. want to. Yeah. I definitely think I will. Um, I'm currently studying digital animation in school, so um, nice. there might be some of that coming. But I don't know if it'll – it's not going to take over my account in any way. It might just, like – it might accent my account if I animated, rotoscoped over some stop motion or something. I definitely right. will try it, but – Nice. Um, do you get creative block? Oh, what yeah. Do do to, what do you do to overcome that? Um. This I think this is what most people say, and this is why I started doing it. But I take a walk. I I do something that doesn't fill my head. Like normally, I'll I'll watch an episode of The Office or something, and I try and break the block. But it doesn't doesn't work that way because your brain is full. You're you're taking in information. I I like to clear my head, kind of. You and for my content, I try and look at things in a whole new light. I try and see things completely differently. So sometimes I'll just take a bunch of stuff and set it on a table, just this table, and stare at it and be like, hmm, what do I do with this? Wait, are you doing this podcast on top of your animation table in your bedroom? I am right now, yep. <laughs> Wait, have you been animating during this podcast? I have. I've secretly animated a massive claymation. I've <laughs> seen my hands fiddling with sticky tack. It's oh my massive. gosh. That would be insane if afterwards you were like, by the way, <laughs> here's yeah, you just look in the back and there's been like someone coming up and animating something on the wall. And as you scrub through the video, you just see an animation unfold behind me. Why didn't we do that? What's wrong with us? That's, that's that would like, have been amazing. That would. Yeah, it's like a nice Easter egg. You know, what, I'm going to I'm going to remember that idea and, and uh, think about how I can do that next time. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just started uploading YouTube. So it totally makes sense. Um, I think, uh, like, I'm looking at the other questions, and I think they've all kind of been answered just as we've been chatting. But um, I guess overall, like, what is what is next? Like, 
for you? Where do you want to take everything like in the future? I guess immediate future. Now that you're in school again and you've done a bunch of sponsored posts and stuff, like um currently I have to finish high school. Um I'm going for a digital animation certificate. So it's not even an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree. It's pretty much like one fourth of an associate's degree. I feel like it's a really good place to um some people go completely without school and some people believe heavily in school. I'm kind of getting the in-between, in my opinion, just a, a bit of schooling towards it. And then I'm going to hopefully have a um, a brand big enough that I can either support myself through Instagram and creating content for brands. If that doesn't work out, I'm going to try and have a portfolio ready to apply to studios and and go that way. Well, I mean, just from watching you, I think either one are very viable options. So I think that's amazing. And I'm excited to keep following your stuff and uh, the journey. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I'm well, I'm real happy to be on the podcast. I'm really thankful for that. Thanks for having me on. It's it's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great to chat and just and meet you. Yeah, I, I love it. It's it's a way for me to kind of even more become interactive in the community it's it's kind of like a, a face reveal for me almost that people have seen my face in some places but it's kind of like look it's me I'm here. sweet well that i guess let's wrap things up on there so yeah thank you again for coming on the podcast i'm glad you can uh use this as like a face reveal for your followers um and if you're listening and you'd like to get in touch with ben or frantic frames you can follow him on Instagram, obviously, under Frantic Frames, uh, where you can also shoot him a message or just comment on his stuff. He's very, uh, he responds a lot to everybody. So, um, and that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye.